Sometimes uh, you read in the Bible uh, verses that seem almost unbelievable. Uh, I don't mean uh, unbelievable intellectually, because they perhaps talk about miracles or things which many people doubt. I mean because they seem almost too wonderful to be true. Uh, One such verse is in the chapter I read earlier, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. In this passage, God is choosing Jeremiah to be a prophet. Uh, Jeremiah was a young man, it seems. We don't know how young. Uh, But God plucks him from obscurity and says, you are going to be a prophet. You are going to speak on my behalf to the children of Israel. And then the Lord says to him these words in verse 5. He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Now, if God had said that Jer- uh, God knew Jer- that He knew Jeremiah from a child, that would be wonderful in itself. But that He says He knew Jeremiah from the womb is astonishing. But God also says that He knew Jeremiah before He formed him in the womb. That means that God had a plan before Jeremiah was even in his mother's womb. And when Jeremiah was in his mother's womb, God was actively preparing him and working out his purposes for Jeremiah. Uh, If you have a task to do and you need a tool to do it, if you're sufficiently handy, you might design a tool for the purpose. You might buy the wood and the metal and the screws and whatever you need to accomplish your purpose. And that's what God's saying he did with Jeremiah. He had a plan and he formed Jeremiah to accomplish that plan. Now we live in a society that thinks that everything in the world is just natural. Uh, Almost like this world runs like a a bunch of marbles being thrown down a slope. It just sort of bounds, jumps and bounces, higgledy-piggledy until it gets to the bottom. It's all just chance how it happens. And this world sort of goes on and on and people accumulate and they grow and they uh, have children. They have children, they have children. It's kind of just this random series of events. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God has a plan even in what seems to be the random births of different people. God is working out his plan. And you, whoever you are, are a part of it. Your purpose may not, is not, the same as what Jeremiah's was. 
Nevertheless, you have a purpose. You might say, well, how do we know that's true? Um, Maybe it was true for Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah's got a whole book of the Bible and a big one named after him. Maybe Jeremiah was a unique instance. Uh, Perhaps most of us are just kind of -of run-of-the-mill, born by sort of chance or by the design of our parents or whatever. But it's not God's purpose. Jeremiah was unique. He was special. I don't believe that's so. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. I believe the Bible teaches that you, whoever you are, sitting here this morning, you have been designed by God for a purpose, his purpose. And that purpose is not identical to the other people sitting next to you. And that really is the first point I have this morning. Uh, You have a divine purpose. And I'm going to prove that from just a couple, perhaps three passages in the Bible. Uh, First of all, Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Uh, I'll look it up to get the wording exactly right. Uh, In Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, David, King David, writes these words. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Do you understand the wonder of those verses? David says that God was intimately involved with knitting, weaving him in his mother's womb. This explains why Christians oppose abortion. Uh, A baby in the womb is not just a part of its mother's body. That is a lie of our society and a devastating one. The baby in the womb is being woven by God. God has a purpose for that baby, even when it has not yet been brought into the world. And we meddle with that at our peril. But let me read Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5 as well. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 says, As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. God makes everything. He is orchestrating the plans, the purposes, the things that happen in this world. Perhaps you say, but... But pregnancy, that, that's the, sometimes at least, the decision of two human beings uh, who decide to have children. But that's having too small a view of God. Uh, does not the Bible say, for example, that when a couple get married, uh, it says those who God has joined together 
let not man put asunder. God is working in the marriages of people. God even has a plan in the sinful acts of people. This is what the Bible teaches. He had a plan in the sin of Joseph's brothers. He had a plan in the sins of Judas. He had a plan in the sins of the Pharisees. God has a plan in the sins of all of us. Doesn't mean we're innocent, but it does mean that God is working out his purposes. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says, in him, that's in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. God works all things to the purpose of his will. He is truly sovereign. Nothing happens and God says, oh, I didn't see that coming. What are they doing? I'm going to have to come up with a sub-plan to cope with this unforeseen eventuality. It's not the way God acts. If you're still not convinced, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. A lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision. It's every decision is from the Lord's. You cannot second-guess God. You cannot do something which God has not already woven into his wonderful plan. This is the very, very, very clear teaching of the Bible. But there are two mistakes we can make with that. Uh, One is to remember that God is sovereign, but to forget that we have responsibility. Uh, The fact that God is sovereign and is working out his purposes in this world does not mean that we are therefore innocent of the choices we make. Uh, God uses even our sins, but that does not mean we will not be judged for them. God has good purposes in them. The fact is, our choices are often evil. We have bad purposes in them. God used Judas's sin. Um, God used Judas's sin for the, to accomplish the greatest thing that God has accomplished, redeeming us by Christ's death on the cross. That came about through Judas's sin. But what did Jesus say of Judas? It would have been better if that man had never been born than he betrayed the Son of God. Both are true. Both are true. Now, it is a mystery, precisely how those things work together, but we don't solve that mystery by denying one or the other. We keep both, because that's the other mistake we can make. The other mistake is to remember that we are responsible, but to forget that God is sovereign, and we make God into a little God. We make God into a God that we can understand, that we can put into our box, Because we want to um, keep clear that we are responsible. But we need both. And if we don't have both, we lose the wonderful comfort it is that God can use even the worst of sins for his marvellous purposes. God is sovereign, but we are responsible. And what this means is you, as an individual, sitting here in a pew, 
this morning or watching online, you've been made by God for a unique purpose, just like Jeremiah was. Not the same purpose, but a purpose nonetheless. This leads us on to the second point, and we need to keep on reading in this passage. Because although it's true that God has designed you for a purpose, the reality is you may not want the purpose that God has designed you for. And let me read in the passage again. I'll read from verse 4. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. God comes to Jeremiah and, and dumps on him this, this um, responsibility to be his prophet, to speak to the nations. And Jeremiah says, but I'm too young. I can't speak. I don't speak good. I, I haven't learned. I haven't been to university. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't studied to be a prophet. And he says, I'm not capable of being this. I don't want to stand before a crowd of people. I don't want to speak in public. Despite God telling him, I formed you in the womb for this purpose. I knit you. I wove you. I designed you for this reason. Jeremiah says, oh no, you've made a mistake. I I can't do it. Jeremiah looks inside himself. He looks at his own abilities. And he says, I can't do it. Instead of listening to God's word and saying, if God says he designed me for this purpose, then obviously I can do it. Jeremiah did not want to do what God wanted him to do. And this touches on another mistake that our society can make. Um, it's very popular teaching today to say that you are special, uh, you are unique, that you have a purpose. And that is what the Bible teaches. The problem is, where does our society look for that purpose? I'll tell you where they look. They look within themselves. They look at their hearts and they say, what are my desires? And they say, what I desire is who I truly am. If I feel it, it must be the truth. And that even extends today to such things as gender. Forget what body parts I have. I feel I am a man. I feel I am a woman. And they say, so therefore I am. That's not what the Bible teaches. Your feelings, your desires, your wants do not determine who you are. Who determines who you are? God. God determines who you are. The one who formed you in your mother's womb... He's the one who can tell you who you are. And if you ignore that, you do that at your peril. And you will get yourselves into all sorts of trouble if you are relying on your own feelings to determine what you should do. Sometimes we have to do things we do not want to do. Sometimes we have to do things that we are afraid to do. And that is precisely what we should do. 
in many circumstances. I've used this um, quote before. It's probably in danger of becoming a bit of a cliche. Um, but someone once said that a ship in the harbour is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. I've said it many times before, but I find it helpful. Uh, that ship, if it could think, I don't think they can, but if they could think, they might think, well, I don't want to be out the harbour. Those waves look wet. Uh, those waves are high. I don't like being bucked up and down like a bucking bronco. Uh, I don't want to be um, smashed to pieces. I've seen shipwrecks. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be on the bottom of the ocean. And that ship could have all sorts of very reasonable objections to sailing the high seas. But it would forget that that is what it was built for. And we can so often be like that. We forget that we've been built to ride the high seas of this world, to endure opposition, to endure pain, to work out God's purposes even when there are obstacles. Listen to, listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you're an unbeliever here this morning, uh, I believe you too have a purpose designed for you by God. I don't know what that purpose is. But if you are a believer, or if you become a believer, even if you're not one now, then I do know, broadly speaking, what your purpose is. Your purpose, according to this verse, Ephesians 2.10, is to... Do the works which God prepared for you beforehand. First of all, to come to Christ in faith, to receive forgiveness, to have your sins washed away, to be put into a right relationship with God. And after you've been put right, then to accomplish whatever it is God has for you. We all are in different families, aren't we? Now, we all live in slightly different places. Uh, if you're watching online, you perhaps have different churches that you go to. And those different churches are situated in different places. We all have unique purposes. And according to that verse, if you take it at face value, God has prepared the works that we are to do ahead of time. It's an amazing thing to ponder. God has a unique purpose for you. But remember does not mean you will always enjoy it. It's better to do what is right than to do merely what you want to do. And I'll just give one more example of that before we come to the third and final point. Uh, in John's Gospel, do you remember how uh, Jesus spoke uh, to the Apostle Peter? And the Apostle Peter uh, was um, walking on the seashore with Christ, and he points to John, and, well, in fact, no, I'll read the bit before that, before he comes to that bit. And uh, in John's Gospel, chapter uh, 21, verses 18 to 22, uh, Jesus tells Peter something of what is in store for him. And Jesus says to Peter in verse 18, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, 
you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Jesus has good works planned for Peter. He knows where Peter's life is heading because he's God, because he's sovereign. And he says, when you are old, you're going to be carried places that you do not want to go. But it's where I want you to go. Uh, We don't know exactly how this was fulfilled. Some suggest that it was when Peter uh, died a martyr's death. Uh, Church tradition says that Peter was crucified upside down. The Bible doesn't teach that, but that is the church tradition. So perhaps that is what was meant. But the point is, Jesus told Peter, you're going to be carried places that you don't want to go, but I want you to go the places where you do not want to go. We need to understand that God's purposes for us are not necessarily what we want, but they are always what is best. So we've seen that God has a purpose for our lives. Uh, We've seen that God's purpose may not necessarily be what we want, But the third and last point is that God will always enable us to fulfill his purpose for us. Let's keep reading in Jeremiah. Uh, In verse 7, after Jeremiah has objected to this plan that God has imposed on him, in verse 7, God responds and says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. God says, don't be afraid. Jeremiah is terrified. Uh, Perhaps he's terrified of public speaking. Uh, Perhaps he's simply terrified of speaking to his uh, neighbours. Perhaps he's an introvert at heart. But God says to him, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to equip you to do what I require of you. I remember when I first um, started preaching and when I first had to stand up in a pulpit and uh, speak to others. And I had not realised how terrifying it is to look at people's faces. I've kind of got used to it over the years and um, I don't wear glasses so I can't see all of you very clearly. Um, But when you first see someone's faces and you see the, the scowls, Uh, You see the kind of dead look on their face sometimes. And it's scary because you don't know what they're thinking. But God says, do not be afraid of their faces. What matters is that what you say is what is true. Do what God has designed you to do. Listen to what God says and do it. And he will equip you. Look a little bit later in verse 17. God says to him, therefore... Prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord to deliver you. God says to him, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to face many obstacles, but I've made you a bronze wall. I've made you an iron pillar. We so often think that God's way of helping us is to make the way easy for us. 
God will help us by removing all the obstacles. <laughs> That's often not what God does. Instead, what God often does is he puts the obstacles in the way so that he can strengthen us to overcome the obstacles. Because that way, God gets more glory. God gets a certain degree of glory by removing obstacles, and we praise him when he does. But God arguably gets more glory when he gives us the strength and the courage to overcome the obstacles that he has put in our path. God does not send us on missions that we cannot accomplish. God equips us for the tasks he gives to us. But in closing, you might think, well, but how can I know? How can I know what God's purpose for me is? Uh, I've said it's a unique purpose. Uh, you have things to do for God that only you can do, like Jeremiah did. But how do we know what those things are? Well, thankfully, God's word gives us direction. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't look within. Don't ask yourself the question, well, am I a man or a woman? Uh, don't ask yourself the question, what is my greatest desire? God may or may not use that desire. Instead, look to God's word. Don't rely on your own understanding. Listen to what God says and seek to be obedient to him. And God, the Bible says, will direct your path. Uh, you may end up in places you did not expect. Uh, ten years ago, I didn't expect to be in Lincolnshire. Um, I'm sure many people here could also point to many things in their life which they did not expect years or decades ago. But God directs our steps if we are willing to obey him. If you're a husband here this morning, love your wife. <laughs> That's what the Bible teaches, very clearly. Husbands, love your wives. It's not always very exciting. It doesn't look necessarily very spectacular. But that's what God requires. And as you do that, God will direct your path. He will show you your way. I read just this morning in a blog post, and um, someone wrote how it's strange that so often uh, um, husbands treat their wives in ways they would never treat any other man's wives. Uh, they gave the example of um, holding a door or um, uh, picking up something off the floor for someone. And uh, a man might run across the room to open a door for another woman, but would never do it for his wife. <laughs> but the Bible says, husbands love your wives. Put them in first place above other women. Not just women, not just wives, uh, not just husbands, also wives. Wives honor your husband. Again, it's very clear in Scripture. Um, don't gripe about your husband behind their back. Uh, don't dis, uh, speak to them in a dismissive way and um, complain about to them about all their failings. Honour your husbands, and God will direct your paths. Children, children should honour their parents. Listen to them unless they tell you to do something which God forbids. And the vast majority of things they tell you to do will not be things God forbids. Unfortunately, washing up is not something that God forbids you to do. 
Honour your parents even when you perhaps do not want to. And I realise I condemn myself when I say that. Nevertheless, if we do these things, God will direct our paths. Young people, single men and women, uh, be diligent in your occupation, whatever your occupation is. And the Apostle Paul said, didn't he? Or Peter, sorry. He said, serve your master as though he were God himself. It doesn't mean worship him, obviously, but it means serve him with the same enthusiasm that you should serve God himself. Be honest at work. Do the things that you should do at work. Um, when your boss asks you to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Don't join in the gossip with the colleagues, your other colleagues at work, but honour your boss as you would honour God. And again, God will direct your steps. And I could go on and on uh, with tired people, um, elderly people, uh, young people, whoever you are. The Bible has things to say to you. They may not be spectacular things. They may not be things which are very exciting to do. But it's in the doing of those things that we find the purpose for which God created us. In closing, I said that before, I'll say it again, this wheel this time. Um, many people used to say in the past about kings uh, and queens having a divine right. Uh, we've been celebrating the queen's life, and uh, in times past, people thought that kings and queens had a divine seal upon them. Uh, God had chosen them to be the king. And in a sense, that's true. They're not in all the ways they thought it was true. But it's true because all of us have a divine call. All of us have a purpose to which God has called us. As we've said, it may not be one that we want, but it's the one which God has for us. And he will help us to accomplish it if we simply look to him. So let's close uh, by singing a hymn. And let's do that in this hymn. Uh, 500 and 24. And this is a hymn uh, written from the perspective of a believer, uh, but looking in wonder at what God has done for us and what he has accomplished for us so that we might have a purpose. It's number 524. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death Pursued. We'll stand to sing 524.